film is its own reality. Uh, and they were able to control the by moving the thing around in front of either a speaker or whatever. Broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee, offering a glimpse inside the music industry, shedding light on things they don't want you to know, and exposing some of the industry's biggest secrets. You're listening to the Turned Up Podcast, presented by Real Sound Productions. Here are your hosts, Jake Jones. Do you have to do some research to know what it sounds like to cook meth? And Robert Venable. It's the Turned Up Podcast. This is my song about the Turned Up Podcast. Hey, that's, you know, that's not a very good song. I don't do music for a living. Wait. Not very, it's not very creative. Welcome to Turned Up Podcast. This is episode number 11. Happy Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. Whenever you're listening to this, it could be Friday. Friday. Saturday. Happy day ending in Y. (laughs) (laughs) Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We are calling this, this particular episode. Holy cow. Holy cow. No, Robert and Jake are not bad at talking. We're talking about Foley. Foley is fun. Well, I don't know if it is or not, but it's it exists. <laughs> I think I think it's fun. Foley is one of those things that, first of all, if you really just have no idea what we're talking about, Foley is a type of sound effect, and it's the type of sound effect that a lot of time and work goes into, so that you, on purpose, don't even notice that it's there. And we've got a guest to talk about that in a second, but first, sitting right in front of me, the one, the only, Jake Jones, producer, engineer, songwriter. Hey, speaking of songwriting, looking at the plaque on the wall for the Billboard number one song that you co-wrote for the band As We Ascend, which you happen to play guitar and sing in. Uh, Congratulations on that, sir. Thank you. Multi-instrumentalist, former guitar player for the rock band We As Human. Like I said a second ago, current guitar player and singer for the band As We Ascend. Also a competitive dog groomer, which I think is fascinating. You know, it's... (laughs) Competition is really heating up right now. Are you sweating? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I was in competitive dog grooming, I would lose. My dog is stinky. <laughs> Always. Uh, but groomed, well, it looks nice. Well, well okay, thank you. That's, yeah, I don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Man and tail. Across from me is Mr. Robert Venable. Hello. Award-winning producer, engineer, songwriter, drummer for the band As We Ascend. Uh, he's done Foley work himself as well. Ooh, I did. I did do Foley work. That's fun. It's like it's a blast. Grammy nominated, Dove Award winning. Ooh, ooh. Sounds fancy. It is very fancy. It's not really fancy. I'm actually also looking at his number one billboard plaque for his work with As We Ascend. It's sitting over there on the couch, all cozy like, so I have to take it home. You do have to take it home and, and hang it on the floor along with your other gold <laughs> record. I'm going to hang this on the floor next to my other plaques. Kelly Clarkson. Hello. Uh, so a little something you might not know about Robert is that uh, he just got out of jail for trimming his neighbor's bushes. If you don't know what that means, don't Google it. Yeah, don't don't image search that. <laughs> um, but yeah, they weren't happy about that. But uh, I thought it looked great, and it definitely did look like... I mean, I tried to do Mickey Mouse. It didn't quite look that way. So you were t- you were telling me the nickname they gave you while you were in jail. Oh, yes, Spider Monkey. Don't make me go all Spider Monkey on you. Not only are Jake and I sitting in the studio, somewhere across the land... 
There's a guy by the name of Greg Barbanel sitting in a studio, or his house, actually, I think, today, um, who is joining us today. Greg Barbanel is a Hollywood Foley artist. Uh, may I, sh- I probably should say an Emmy-winning Hollywood Foley artist, as well as nine other Emmy nominations for his work doing Foley and sound effects for um, the show Breaking Bad, the show The Walking Dead. The Revenant. I, you know, I still haven't even seen that movie all the what? way through. I keep falling asleep. Oh my gosh. Little Miss Sunshine, Suicide Squad. I like that movie. I still need to see that one. Storks, my kids love that one. Ooh, do you remember back, you probably weren't born yet. Remember when I was in my 70s and watched the show Rugrats, the cartoon? Uh, Robert, that was my favorite show. Did you really? You watched Rugrats? While you were taking your dentures out to eat your applesauce. That's when I watched. The only time I watched. I was watching Rugrats. I loved that show. I would try to tell people about it, but instead it just come out like that. Because <laughs> I didn't have my teeth. <laughs> that, he worked on that show. Robocop. Hello. Lion King. Dumb and Dumber. Who doesn't love Dumb and Dumber? My favorite movie. Um, as well as like video games like Halo and Call of Duty. You've heard his work. And uh, Greg, man, hey, thanks for joining us today. Hey, you're welcome. It's uh, my pleasure. So before we dive into this, I want to talk about what Foley, what even is Foley? What is the Foley? Uh, That's a good question. Do you know what Foley is? I do know what Foley is. Tell me. Tell me right now. Put it in my ears. (laughs) So Foley, Foley, they're Foley effects, Foley sound effects, and they are the everyday sounds like clothes rustling, footsteps, uh, walking through the snow. Uh, it could be the sound of bodies getting smashed. Ooh, like hair rustling against your shoulder if you turn your head really quickly. All of those sounds. That's all Foley. A, a cup sitting on a table, all that kind of stuff. The, the stuff that you hear every day, 100% of the time, whether you hear it or not, even if it's like room noise sound, um, moving your head across the pillow, it might be a very quiet sound, but you're hearing it. Well, and something that's really cool about Foley and really interesting about film and television is every single sound, except for the people talking, every last one has to be recreated in a, in a studio. And oftentimes the people talking also are recreated or re-recorded in a recording studio. Ooh, it after sounds the like fact. another podcast. It does. And we'll have to get into that. Um, um, so yeah, so this is all done after the film is totally edited. Everything's almost ready to go. And then you have a Foley artist who, who is there in a, a sound stage with microphones and a gigantic room full of tricks, and he starts making sounds. Nah, man, that's not true. Because you see the guy on a movie set or a TV set that has the big stick, the boom mic with a microphone at the end of it, and he's holding it over everybody talking, and he's recording the sounds, right? So obviously this is just part of the time. Well, not only is that microphone not very good at picking up all those extra sounds it's not intended to and half the time it's not even very good at picking up the people talking themselves that's why uh, adr exists again another podcast like Ad- we we're talking about advanced dialogue replacement so Let, let's back it up let's let's get back to the beginning the origin of foley where did where, where, why did why did people even why did this become a thing well let's go back to the early 20s when everyone gathered around the radio to listen to radio shows and skits uh, performed over the live radio and they didn't have the equipment or the know-how or reliable equipment to record things and play back at will. So instead, while they were acting out these skits on the radio, they had Foley artists, if you want to call them that, people in the background with microphones recreating those sounds. So like, 
hi-ho silver. All of a sudden there was a guy with two coconut halves in his hands. Clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop, making that horse sound. Didn't have a horse in the studio um, when they were doing the, the radio stuff. So that would be really fun though. Yeah. And doors creaking, but they had to get clever because they didn't want to bring a microphone all around the studio and record a, uh, a door opening and closing. They had to use other things to create those sounds or to mimic them to be entertaining, to keep it, you know, a step above the other ones who were just sitting there talking um, to kind of create a visual appearance in your brain as you're listening. That's right. So that started in the early 20s. You know, the shaking of metal sheets for thunder and like the coconuts with horse sounds. Um, so let's talk about a little guy by the name of Jack. De- well, I don't know how little he is. Something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess you would know, right? Because he was around in the 1920s. You were. Oh, yeah. So we had college- to the, the 100 year mark. Oh, <laughs> we sat in the retirement center together. <laughs> His name was Jack Donovan Foley. Hmm. See where this is going. <laughs> What a name. So, you know, 1914 started working at Universal Studios. And that's this is during the silent movie era. Fun fact, Hit my great grandfather actually played piano for silent films because they didn't <laughs> have any sound for real. So they had a pianist who would sit in the theater and play uh, while it's screening and in the theater, but not like on the film. Right. In the theater. What? That's what they would do. They had a live pianist. And so as the movie would play, he had music to accompany the movie. And then he would play along and that's how it got more intense or less intense and in the mood of the, of the film. I can just picture that sound right now, but did he have to watch the film first to know what was happening or did he just watch it? And as it was happening, he'd start playing louder and faster. I and have no idea. Interesting. And I need to look into that because that might be a cool podcast. Yeah. Um, you, uh, I'm surprised you didn't know him. <laughs> I was waiting for that it one. Back I even, in the twenties. I, I pitched the ball up there. You just knocked it out of the park. <laughs> so in 1914, Jack started working for Universal Studios. Again, silent movie era. You go to the film and watch Jake's, um, who was it? Great uncle? Great grandfather. You'd watch Jake's great grandfather play the piano in the theater. Now, when he was working for that, about, you know, fast forward a decade to 1927, Warner Studios released The Jazz Singer, their first film with sound in it. Universal needed to compete with that and asked any employees with any kind of knowledge on sound or music to come forward. Jack Foley raised his hand, joins the team commissioned to make um, Universal's then silent musical Showboat into a musical. Okay. So that's kind of cool. Um, so something's going to happen. You know, he's looking at this film. But what they did was they projected it onto the wall, right? So he, Jack Foley and his team of friends who said they're going to take this on, put the film onto the wall and they had one single audio channel that they got to use one, <laughs> one mic, one chance to go through this film. So what they did was they made all these notes on a notepad and assigned different parts to different people. The footsteps all had to line up. The door creaks had to line up any kind of like cup sitting on a counter had to line up. Everything had to line up perfectly in this one take. And uh, they hit record and their whole team of people just started reenacting this film. Um, perfect. As close to perfectly in time as they could. On, on one audio channel rather than, okay, let's go stack that with this. Let's stack that with this. Oh, we'll stop that. We'll wow. do this again. Nope. They, they went through linearly, chronologically in time and just did it. So I imagine here almost a hundred years later, it's probably completely different, right? They're, like there's not people in a studio making sounds anymore. We have computers. So oh, I'm, I'm sure, but no, actually a lot of Jack's methods are still being used. A lot of his, his trademarked secrets, if you will, that have come along with his name have uh, still la- like lasted the tale of time. Really? And uh, so we're still sometimes using the same coconuts for horse clip clops and 
<laughs> or clop clips. <laughs> Literally the same coconuts that he used back then. Yeah, they don't look like coconuts anymore. They're all shattered to pieces and glued together. Uh, but, but I mean, some of it's done from sound libraries and pre-recorded, but there's some things that you can't, I would imagine. We should talk to Greg about that um, here in a second. But Jake, we were talking before we started recording this podcast about several uses of Foley and like why it exists. And, and uh, you know, we talked about how yeah, there's a guy there with a microphone, but that's basically there for the voices instead of the, the room sound and the footsteps and stuff like that. But is there a reason we re-record this other than just to hear it better? Right. Well, I mean, you have to think in real life, I'm walking down the street and there's things I'm hearing. I'm not necessarily paying attention to them, but they're there. They make me feel normal. I can hear what's going on. Right. Um, and so when you watch a film you don't notice probably most of what's happening in Foley. However, strip that out of there. And there's even some movies you can go back or, or like television back in the like forties and fifties. I remember it. Well, <laughs> you go back and watch some of those shows and it's just awkward silence. I see. I can see how that would be distracting. Even when I put earbuds in sometimes, even if I'm in the car, I've tried it before. I can't do it. I'm not one of those guys, but I've tried putting earbuds in, in the car it freaks me out. I need that room ambience and I need to hear the turn signal or else it just, it feels different. Like the car feels different if I don't hear what I'm feeling, if that right. makes sense. Well, and, and our, uh, you know, as consumers, we want everything to be as, you know, we see something crazy on a movie. We want to know that it could possibly happen. Well, the things that we're hearing are no, are no different. We want to, you know, if you, if you see a scene with someone driving in a car and they turn their blinker on, but you don't hear that TikTok, That it, takes you, that snaps you out of that moment. Yeah. So it's, it's more distracting for the sound to not be there. Yeah. And, and on the other hand, sometimes you'll hear that signal, but what, what if, you know, being punched in the face, if it sounded like you really punched someone in the face, it might be kind of anticlimactic. Right. Well, in that case, you're using Foley to enhance or exaggerate the actual sounds to make them, to make them sound bigger and in your face, pun intended. Right. Right. And that's called sweetening, um, which just, you know, enhances your experience. Right. And then something that we don't think about is all these movies here in the United States, they're going out to other countries all over the world. Sure. And all the, all the voc, you know, voice dialogue, that's all going to get completely replaced. Well, the problem is if I'm miking you talking and yeah. you have a drink in your hands and I hear the ice move or whatever. And you're um, relying on that sound from the microphone that recorded my voice. When I mute your voice suddenly I don't have the sound of your glass with the ice in it anymore. And so that all has to be recorded. That um, makes sense. And then, you know, and, and so they're using, they want to be able to control the different levels anyway while they're mixing. Sometimes the sound of the, uh, we'll just use that as an example. Still, sometimes the sound of the ice in your glass, that might be important to the scene. There might be a quick little shot of just your hand holding the glass. And you don't hear that. Right. If my microphone is picking up your, your voice and the glass, and that's what I'm relying on, and I have to crank that volume up, well, now I'm going to hear it when you accidentally let one rip. Or the air conditioning noise. <laughs> Any, yeah, anything like that. And so everything, like I said, every last little sound from, from footsteps to whenever you move your arm and, it, and your the fabric. yes, all of that is completely re-recorded. You know, I'm going to ask him about like kissing sounds. Because I've always wondered, I mean, obviously he's not sitting in there with, with his wife or somebody and kissing them and miking it up. You know, I, I actually, I didn't, that's not even a sound effect. I really thought about having to be recorded. Let's ask. 
Oh, that could be that could be awkward. So when is Foley not Foley? Meaning, you know, when are they pulling things from sound libraries instead of recreating them? Well, to save time and money, I'm sure, um, production studios will often pull things like cell phones ringing or regular phone ringing landlines. Because, I mean, they're not going to go pull one of those into the studio and mic it up when there are thousands of those that have already been recorded that aren't necessarily um, playing a major part timing-wise as far as if you see a footstep shuffle on the ground, you have to time that just perfectly and make the sound line right. up with that. Whereas if you see a picture of a phone sitting on a desk and it's ringing, you can kind of move that around digitally how you want to. It's not necessary to be custom made, if you will. Um, doorbells, stuff like that doesn't have to be particularly timed. But who better to talk about this than the one and only Greg Barbanel? Man, how are you? Where are you? What are you doing? Uh, well, I'm uh, actually at home today. I have a rare day off. I'm in uh, Los Angeles. Actually, I live in Pasadena, California, uh, and I do all my work in L.A. I'm still uh, Googling what day off means. Hold on. Googling day off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you are a hard worker, and rightly so. People use you for all the best, cleanest sounds that aren't meant to be heard or are meant to be heard, but not meant to be noticed. Um, and sometimes are meant to be noticed. Um, Jake, we took to Twitter and Facebook and asked um, all the turned up podcast fans for suggestions on questions to ask uh, when we got you on the phone. And we got a ton. Okay. We have a ton of them that we've been wading through. Um, and I mean, awesome. before we get to that, I have a question. Like, when or how did yeah. you get into this? Yeah. What was your I first pay? What? <laughs> I said, yes, I am wearing pants. Oh, perfect. Okay. <laughs> Mark that one off. Yes, Greg oh, wears pants. We have a lot of really disappointed fans. Um, question two. What, <laughs> what, what, is your, what was your first paid gig like as a Foley artist? How did you break into this? When was the thing like, oh man, I just got a paycheck, a real paycheck from doing something completely awesome? Well, um, I kind of, uh, I went to California Institute of the Arts where I got a BFA in film and Pretty much right out of college, me and a friend started a post-production sound editing company where we provided all the sound editing services for uh, mostly feature films. And we kind of jumped in without a whole lot of experience, obviously coming out of college. Uh, one of the things we had to figure out was uh, we had to do Foley. I, I just literally jumped in and started making sounds for the films that we were providing editorial services for. That's kind of how I got started. Six years later, uh, I sold the company, and while I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next, my phone started ringing from my competitors. They say, hey, would you do some Foley on a film that we've got? The phone kept ringing, and I'm, I'm still doing it. I guess I haven't figured out what I'm going to do next. <laughs> you're not sure what you're going to do when you grow up yet. Yeah, no, I haven't <laughs> figured that out. Sounds great. It sounds like it was a pretty natural progression. Uh it and, was, and yeah. That makes sense. I, I have a question. In all the years uh, that you've been doing this, you create a lot of sounds. I mean, probably sounds maybe maybe that you never even thought you would have to create. Oh, what, every day. What, every day is some new challenge, yes. What, what would be like your least favorite sound to create? Maybe you only ever had to create it once, or maybe it's something that every time that <laughs> yeah. you see it in a scene, you're like, oh no, do you I'm going to have to make this sound. Do you hate doing footsteps? I mean, I feel like that'd probably be what I would dislike the most. Like, oh man, footsteps. Or well, the, the, the footsteps, 
basically we do three things on the foliage stage. First thing generally most people do is uh, we, we do the cloth pass. Okay. And it's actually a track where we make clothing movement beginning to end oh, of the wow. entire TV show or film. Oh my gosh. So, and that's basically, that track is used. It's not one that's played all the time, but um, when they have to loop a line, uh, what they call ADR, automatic dialogue replacement. So the actor will come in and because either of noise or they didn't like the performance, they'll have the actor redo the line in a studio after the fact. Right. Whenever they use those looped lines, the room sound, the, the natural recording on the set, goes away. Sure. So they'll use our cloth track to help fill those holes to give it that just that kind of background natural thing. So it's used very sparingly only when they have a hole to fill. But that's what the cloth track is all about. The next thing we do is the feet, and then we do props. Anything they touch, pick up, handle, drop, what have you. The feet you were asking about, my opinion, the feet are what separate the good Foley artists from the great ones. Oh, wow. Anyone can pick up a cup and set it down or, you know, I mean, there's far more challenging things in props than that. But being able to do the feet right with all the little subtle things and being able to convey that this character is scared or bold or arrogant, or what have you, to help those kinds of things. Uh, believe it or not, we can convey those kinds of things in the way they walk. That's where the real skill is. So, Greg, real quick, let's talk about Breaking Bad. I love that show. I know you worked on it. Did they let you do whatever you wanted? Were they very strict? Tell me about that. Breaking Bad was unlike any other television show I've ever worked on because they used the Foley excessively and relied on it because they used very little music in that show. A lot of it's very quiet. There was a lot of great challenges. I mean, every week it was something new and weird, whether it's, you know, falling into a chemical toilet or <laughs> cooking meth or uh, bathtubs crashing through ceilings. Oh, yeah. With all the slop and slurry that goes along with that for all you people who watch Breaking Bad. That's, uh, that's the stuff that I guess most people like myself don't think about. I mean, I'm in the industry and now know about it, but before that, when I watched a movie or a television show, I always assumed there was a guy holding a boom mic, which oftentimes there are, um, standing behind oh, yeah. the cameraman and they're recording it. And that's all the sound I hear. How, what is your turnaround time on something? All right, say, hey, here's Breaking Bad season, blah, 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 episode, blah, blah, blah. We need this turned in this many days from now or weeks or minutes or hours. How much time do you have to work on an episode of Breaking Bad? Well, Breaking Bad was unusual. Most television shows that I do, and I'm working a lot in television right now, uh, we'll get from anywhere from 8 to 12 hours to do one hour drama. Whoa. We'll get one day to do it or a day and a half. The more time they give us, the more they want us to do. The, primarily, when we have an hour to do a television show, we get the feet first, and then we do what props we can. And the sound editing the editors will cut a lot of the stuff that we used to do, but for budgetary reasons there, you know, we used to have two days to do a television hour. That's pretty rare. Yeah. Breaking bad. On the other hand, not only did they want more stuff, 
but they wanted it really, really good. Every episode was handled by everyone. Every episode was handled like a miniature feature film. Wow. It shows you too. Watch it, yeah. you, know, you can, you can see that you can hear it. So on breaking bad, we had, uh, 20 hours per episode. And there were a few episodes. One that comes to mind was the train episode where they, uh, stole chemicals from a train. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like three days where normally on one episode of TV, we would have one day. And I think that shows in the production too. Cause I remember when I watched episode one of season one of breaking bad and I was hooked because right. it was like, uh, like a feature film. It was, you watched it and like, wow, this is like a, a whole movie and there's going to be a whole season of movies. This is great. It takes a lot of time and uh, a lot of time and talent on everyone's part went into that show. And I remember in one of the early episodes of breaking bad, there was a, a scene, a camera was low. It was a desert shot and yep. the camera was on the ground mm-hmm. and the mountains are in the background and what have you. And in the very foreground, there's a cue that said stick bug walking. <laughs> and we looked at the, we looked at the picture on the screen and we went, well, I don't even see this thing. <laughs> but there it was, we looked closely and there in the very foreground, they had a, the stick bug was walking across the screen. Okay. And I'm exactly, I'm going, well, there's no way ever that even if we did it, which we, of course we did, there's no way this is going to play. I mean, come on, you're not going to hear this. Well, that's when I realized things were different because when that episode aired, you heard it. You could hear the stick bug. I want to know what did you what did you do to make this stick bug sound? Well, it's pretty simple, really. We took I can't remember if it was unbent paper clips <laughs> or match sticks, and I got down with the mic, you know, like a, an inch <laughs> from the dirt, and literally did the feet. <laughs> and, and that's what viewers saw or that yeah (laughs) well i so i was thinking earlier you were talking about all these sounds the cooking meth and bathtubs with falling through the ceiling bodies falling through the ceiling um i want to know where do you even begin the like do you have to do some research to know what it sounds like to cook meth is it just something that you kind (laughs) of is just something kind of like just imagine like this is probably what it sounds like or, or yes. what is it? You see, the thing, the thing about what we do is it's rare that we would actually want to do research to see what something might actually sound <laughs> like, because that doesn't matter. Exactly. It because sounds like whatever film, you make it sound like. Film is its own reality. We've been trained in film. When someone gets hit with a bullet, they fly backwards. Yeah. We've been trained in watching films all our lives that when the lightning bolt strikes, the thunder's right there on top of it. That makes sense. When I do my work, every time I have to come up with a sound, I think, what do I want to hear? What was, what's going to work? Then I have to figure out how to make the sound that I'm imagining. And a lot of times a certain event takes multiple layers of things. We'll do a leather track. We'll do a creek. We'll do a slide. We'll do, you know, basically when they're played together, we'll make just one event. Which uh, that's a good secret to know because some people say, oh, that guy just got hit with a bullet. That's just a a thud sound when really there might be stacks of clothing it goes through and all that stuff. Yeah. So I have a question. Now you've worked, you've worked on The Walking Dead, correct? Yes. I want to know about some of those sounds, the blood, the guts, the gore, the skull stabbing. Like what, what was that like? That's all fully. 
all the skewering and, and uh, ripping out hearts and bone breaking, dripping blood, all of that. Oh, you know? man. Uh, you know, a lot of people who know about Foley are going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, we, I know how they do that. But for those who don't, one of the key tools for us in doing gore is a chamois. Like ShamWow? No, nah, ShamWow doesn't work as good. <laughs> a real ShamWows are fake. That's fake. <laughs> That's fake sound. <laughs> the real calfskin chamois or whatever, get them all soaking wet and then, you know, they squish and gush and put them on the ground and just lay into them. Oh, and yeah. Just, you get these amazing sounds. Just throw them against the... Oh, yeah. Imagining what that sounds yeah, like. Just slap them around. Squeeze them. And then for more like bone stuff, we we use uh, stalks of celery. And no we way. tear them or break them, snap them. Oh. And that's all the like cartilage stuff. Oh. Do the produce stock stockers at uh, Ralph's there um, see you coming <laughs> and going, oh, yeah, man. No, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things uh, you get at the supermarket. You know those big ribbon pastas you use for lasagna? Yeah. yeah. Fantastic oh. crunch, really hard, sharp oh. crunches and snaps. Oh, oh you're, Greg, you're making my skin crawl right now. <laughs> Slash hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the beauty of what you do. And, and you know, honestly, Foley, Foley is an art that you don't notice until it's either not there or it's done poorly. And then you, correct. Oh, it is missing. Um, Ooh, along those same lines, we should do this. Let's play like a little speed round of what would Greg Barbanel do to make the following sounds? Okay, Uh-oh. I have one. Okay, go ahead. Walking in the snow. That's a good one. Okay, snow. We do two ways. If it's if we have the time and the you know the budget, we go to the ice house and we literally buy fifty pound bags of snow ice, sometimes crushed ice. Ooh. We can mix them or not, and we literally dump. We make a huge pile of snow. He's walking it. And do it. The problem with that method, it, it gives you the best sound by far, but it melts. Right. You have so about you make a pile, 10 minutes. <laughs> you make a pile, and you work on it, and the more you walk in it or whatever, the more slushy it becomes, and then you got to stop. you got to shovel all that out. you got to dry up the floor a bit, and you got to pour more snow out and start again. It's very time consuming, uh, very messy, but it is the premier preferred way to do snow. Well, another great trick, which is we take a uh, small uh, pillowcase or something like that, and you fill it with not baking soda, but uh, cornstarch. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fill a sock with cornstarch and squeeze it. And it huh. gives you that squeaky crunchy, you know, when yeah. you kind of put your weight on the snow and you kind of fall down a couple, three inches. That's perfect. Cornstarch is an amazing cheat. And on a lot of television shows when we do snow, we just do cornstarch because we don't have the time to mess around with real snow. That makes sense. And it works great. Another thing I do when uh, there's a close up of someone dragging on a cigarette and the ember lights up. Yeah. Yes. I take the cellophane off of the cigarette pack and ball it up real tight. And I just, I squeeze it in my fingers when it lights up. It's a totally beautiful cheat for the burning of the end of a cigarette. Oh, that is just a sound you just don't think about. You should see the smile on my face right now because that's so freaking cool, man. (laughs) Okay. 
So who is in the studio with you when you have to make these kissing sounds? Are you kissing your arm? I mean, how does... Uh, that's the sound I don't even uh, know I, about. We, we kiss the back of our hand, okay. mostly. Wow. Then I, have, of course, have to you know, <laughs> take my hand out to dinner. Uh, well, right. yes, you, but no, you want to do it right. You know, it's handled by one person. Kisses are very simple. You just kiss the back of your hand. And depending on what kind of kiss, you know, is it uh, <laughs> like a brother uh, kissing his sister or is it, uh, you know, far more than that? Depends <laughs> on how you how you do it. One of the the most fascinating sounds that I've heard, and I've got some friends that have done it with Discovery Channel. And I know that you have also worked um, on similar productions. When animals are underwater or someone's underwater swimming and there's the, the bubbles and the, and the, any kind of swimming sounds. I mean, that I know of, there aren't very many waterproof microphones. So w- w- is that something that you have to do manually or is that done after it leaves your hands? Uh, how does that even happen? Well, it, both. Uh, I don't know. Over the, all these years, of course, I've run into recording stuff for underwater a number of times. One of the things we do, there is such a thing as a hydrophone, which is an underwater mic, but I haven't had too much success with those. Interesting. I've had more success taking, uh, it's a little lavalier microphone that they put on people that, are, you know, on a talk show, the little yeah. tiny Clips onto the collar. mics, and we put them in a condom and uh, rubber band the hell out of that and put a little weight on it. We drop that in the water. That actually works better than the very expensive hydrophones. Interesting. Wow. The other approach is we work on top of the water like we would for swimming or someone flailing around on the surface or whatever. And the mixer, he will use his bag of tricks and plug-ins and gizmos and gadgets to equalize, compress, to uh, pitch shift what we're doing on the surface to make it sound all underwatery. That's a good yeah. word, underwatery. I know. I just uh, <laughs> I just made that up. Credit to Greg Barbonell for that one. <laughs> So what about a classic, I'm sure you have done it billions of times in your career, the punch to the face, just the good old pow. Oh, wow. Interesting. The old one too. For the most part, punches to the face, we've we've done like impacts on chickens and we've brought in huge sides of beef. You know, my experiences in doing that is it's kind of not worth the effort. Plus, you're wrecking really good meat. Right, yeah, it's a waste of a steak. The face punches are pretty much covered by the sound effects editors these days. Sure. We don't, we're not asked to do them too much anymore. That makes sense. Yeah, I imagine that, yeah, there's yeah. probably a very large collection of Library face punch of sounds. impacts and stuff. Yeah. All right, so the year is 2030, and uh, George Lucas has taken back Star Wars from Disney, <laughs> and he says, I want to do episode 10 and I want to hire Greg to do my Foley. How does Greg Barbanel create his own unique signature lightsaber sound? Wow. You can't. First of all, <laughs> you'd have to get me out of the retirement home. <laughs> you know, it took Ben Burt probably months to figure that one out the first time. And he got it right. I mean, the lightsaber sound thing was just amazingly awesome. Sure. Has it changed? Uh, do you know? Is it, do they still do it the same way? I don't way? think so. Why, that's why I said you can't. Because the lightsaber is the lightsaber. It's iconic. Oh, that's a daunting task and it would require a great deal of work not on the stage. I mean, Ben Burke created the lightsaber sound, had nothing to do with Foley. Went and created all and did all the, you know, Chewbacca sounds and all the crazy, weird, 
you know, so that, that none of that was ever done on a fully stage. Now, real quick, how is that lightsaber sound made? Well, I'm not, I, I think this is how it was done. It was almost like the same type of effect as a, uh, a theremin. Yeah. Yeah. Theremin. And they were able to control the wow by moving the thing around in front of either a speaker or whatever. So, Greg, now you're in your studio all day. You're dumping, yeah. you're dumping, I don't know, maybe hundreds of pounds of ice on your floor. You've got dirt that you're walking in. You're crunching stalks of celery, half laced shoes, raw meat. Yep. All sorts of like fabrics and clothes and glass and yep. plastic. Now it's it's the end of the day and you're done. You're done. You're finished. Do you ever have that moment where you say, now I've got to clean that up? Yes. And uh, <laughs> sometimes we're lucky and we can leave the stage because we're coming back in the next day and we can just jump in where we left off. Sure. But a lot of the stages, uh, you know, I work for the major studios. And they have a day shift and a night shift, and you got to clean up no matter what after every single shift to make way for the next crew that's coming in oh, behind you. That would be such a pain, and that would that would be enough to make me it's not want to do it. It's a big pain, and it takes time. Are there sounds as a foley artist? Do you ever? I mean, I don't know. Do you do you save all the sounds you make in order to use no. to reuse them later, or is every sound that you create fresh and new every time? We don't. We don't save them or reuse them. The whole point of Foley is doing it live. So if we saved everything and just had the mixer cut everything in at a Foley session, that would defeat the whole purpose. Sure. But the sound effects supervisor who gets all our stuff to edit it, they all say, they'll find stuff and go, oh my, oh, that's great. I'm putting that in the library. Sure. Which brings me to, uh, I don't know how the hell we got screwed on this. Right. If you're a voice actor and you go in and you do background voices or whatever, not, I'm not talking about the main key actors. I'm talking about people who do background voice fill, sure. like the crowd. They get, every time that thing airs or whatever, they get a royalty. Oh. According to the language in the, in the contract, they are creating a sound that is theirs. So if you want to use that again, you have to pay for it. Well, what the hell do you think we're doing? Right. Not so much the case with Foley actors and uh, artists. All the years I've been doing this, I'm going, why are we giving away all this? I mean, we're sitting here busting our to create these amazing sounds that we're giving away. It's disheartening. Uh, That's just the way it is. Um, So, Greg, are there any mistakes that you've made over the years? Any Anything you go back and, and watch the film or the show later and you're like, oh man. Sometimes when I see something that was very early in my career, back in the very early 80s, I won't say, oh crap, that was horrible. I wish I could redo it. Uh, but what I do say is, wow, <laughs> have we come a long way. Things were different. Then, you know, I would do, we would do so much better today than, than we did back then. Of course. I'm sh- listen, I'm sure there is, but I don't spend my spare time uh, sitting down and reviewing everything I've ever done. Sure. But I'm sure there are mistakes. I guarantee that. Googling spare time. It's not really a matter of right or wrong when it comes to 
deciding what sound to make in Foley. It's about what works. Someone gets hit on the head with a frying pan. I can give you eight, ten different <laughs> sounds for that, all of which are good. Some might be funnier. Some might be more realistic. Right. Some, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. So, is one wrong? It's not about right or wrong. It's about which one fits the scene best. Is it a comedy? Then go with the funny. Is it a serious thing? You better not go with the funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> that ping. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you don't want that in an, in an episode yeah, something of Something out of Breaking the Three Bad. Stooges or something, right. <laughs> but in another scene of some slapstick comedy. Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> yeah, Dumb and Dumber. You worked on that. I did work on that, yeah. A lot of a lot of funny sounds Dumb in that movie. Dumber was fun. We had a lot of laughs. The toilet scene. <laughs> Probably still my favorite movie to date. It's a great one. It is a great one. You know, one of the things I remember about Dumb and Dumber was the bathroom scene. That's oh, yeah. hilarious. My, my son loves that part. Do you remember making those of sounds? Course. We covered that from top to bottom. <laughs> yeah. No pun intended. And no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my word. Greg, um... I, I just, so say someone's listening at home and they're like, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to be a Foley artist. What, what, what advice would you give to someone? If somebody was interested in getting into it now, I tell them to be cautious because the longevity of this uh, is debatable with the technology and budgets and what have you. We're already getting squeezed. It's expensive and the producers, it's a necessary evil. In the future, the future of Foley from today forward, I don't know. Real estate. You know, there's a lot of debate about that. I tend to be more optimistic. Certain things, you're not going to be able to replace that human touch, that human element. Well, I'm kind of back to what we were talking about earlier. Do you, do you research these sounds? Do you just kind of make up what, what you think they should sound like in the same way? I mean, it's like you said, it's Hollywood. It is whatever you make it. A frying pan to the head sounds like whatever Greg Barbanel decides a frying pan to the head sounds like. And then when the audience sees it on television and then they hear it, that's what they think it sounds like. And so in the same way, you know. That's exactly right. If you were to hear the sounds without seeing it to picture, it's different. But the brain, you know, here's the sound with the event that you're seeing we're trained to accept that that's the sound that that makes. Sure. And that's what makes fully work. But, so that's great. And you know what? In the long run, who the hell cares? Sure. True. It's yeah. entertainment. You know, it, it works. It, it worked. I bought it. Move on. <laughs> there you go. Perfect advice, man. Greg, thank you so much for taking up so much of your time today and uh, speaking with us and sharing this knowledge of, of Foley and, and recording things behind the scenes for our eyes to be visually satisfied to. Um, just thank you. Thank you very much. I think probably most people don't realize that, that these sounds are, are not just the sounds that the microphone picked up when they were recording the, the film. Yeah. First of all, you're welcome. And uh, <laughs> it was you. a pleasure talking to you guys and I had a really great time, but the microphone on the set, they're there to get the dialogue. The reason we do Foley, there's really two main reasons. One, even though they record, when, when they shoot the scene and the actor puts the glass down on the table, you might hear it, but it's married to that one track. So if we want to hear the sound of the glass a little higher or lower, you're unfortunately going to raise everything with it or lower it. 
Sure. One of the main reasons that we replace everything and record it again, no matter what, is so that when they do the final mix, they have complete control over all of these sounds. They can raise the sound of the glass without disturbing anything else. The second main reason that we record everything again is for the M&E, the music and effects track, which is when they do a foreign version of every film and every television show, they come up with a track that has all the music and sound effects, but they've stripped all the dialogue out. Right. And they send that mixed M&E to the various countries, to uh, France, Germany, wherever, and in those countries, they put in the new dialogue. In order to sell these movies and television shows around the world, we have to have every single element of the sound other than the dialogue, recorded so they can drop in the French dialogue and have got the same show as the German dialogue as the English dialogue. That makes perfect sense. Well, man, thank you so much. Listen, it was a pleasure talking to you guys. It was a lot of fun. I laughed. I cried. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Barbanel. (sighs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Wow. That is so cool. I kind of want to get into Foley. I just... I want to do that. If anybody's working on a film and needs a Foley artist, Jake and I are around. Um, not necessarily available right now, but we'll get to it in the year 2056. I, I just really want to hang up a big, huge chunk of meat in my studio and punch <laughs> it. I'm going to buy some celery right now. <laughs> so as you're listening to this, I'm going to put up a photograph of his studio after he's been working because man, is that messy. You know what? We should get a picture of his shoe collection because I know with as many footsteps as that guy records, probably on a daily basis, he probably has everything from high heels to galoshes sitting well, in his garage. And it's not just the shoes themselves, but what whatever they're supposed to be walking on and trying to get that, that sound, whether it, it's grass or dirt or sand or whatever. What a fun job. Yes. And you've done Foley work. I did. I, I got to um, work on a film. I got to do sound effects and Foley. So I kind of got to do all of it at the same time. And it took me a while to find my method. So it was fun and it was an experience. Once I realized you don't have to record the sounds for what you're trying to make the sound for. For instance, a dog cage. I didn't need to bring my dog cage from the house and mic it up. <laughs> I could use other things like the bottom of a metal chair uh, with the tip of a metal pencil hitting it instead of yeah. rattling the cage. Like I got creative. And once I tapped into that creativity, the world just flipped and it was awesome. Oh man. Ah, that would be so much fun. Well, thank you again, Greg, for coming on with us today. I would like to thank Real Sound for letting us have this platform to interview people like Greg because I nerded out. I geeked out when we found out we had the opportunity to interview him. I'm just looking at his resume, all the shows and movies that I either grew up watching or I'm currently watching, he's worked on them. Well, and you text me. Uh, his name that we were we were going to be interviewing him and I flipped out. Thank you, Robert, so much for your research uh, in 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 all of these podcasts. You definitely are really good at finding some of the coolest things, uh, and I always learn a lot. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate that. But thank you for engineering, mixing, editing, and and pet grooming <laughs> um, this podcast. Also. I want to thank you for listening. And, oh my goodness, we got tons of Twitter and Facebook messages the last week or two. We recharged our batteries over the last week. We got we had a week off and a little bit extra time. I missed it. I missed doing the podcast. Thank you so much for all of your questions that we were able to ask, Greg. 
most of those all came from you guys through Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Turned Up Podcast, facebook.com slash Turned Up Podcast. You can find us there. Go on there. Look for uh, these pictures of Greg's studio because it is it's kind of comical. Um, it, it's it's something it's encouraging i want to go play i want to go play with all the things he has in his garage that is what that guy gets to do all day long something that really helps this podcast keep going is when you just word of mouth tell a friend about turned up or text them or shout out on twitter or facebook about us um we are gaining listeners and followers every day and we are truly humbled by the amount of followers and listeners we have so grateful if you're already a listener or a new listener Please do us a huge favor. Of course, subscribe to the podcast on wherever you like to listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, we are on every platform. Uh, every platform. Yeah. But please head on over to it and also leave us a rating and a review. That helps us so much. Come back next week. Really excited about it. I, I want to tease it, but I don't think we should. This is Nashville, Tennessee, signing out. Peace. Peace.